Growing Up, our brand new resource for churches and parents is out now. Woohoo! With Sunday school sessions, training videos, podcast episodes for parents and one for the whole family. All there to help our children navigate the confusion, filter the messages they're surrounded by and hear God's good story. All our Growing Up resources point to the Heavenly Father who loves our children even more than we do and has the answer to their biggest questions about who they are and how to live. Together, as families and churches, we can support each other to start good conversations about bodies, gender and marriage so our children can grow up hearing God's good story. Head over to the website faithinkids.org and find out all the details about growing up. about about seeing those small steps isn't it so we're we're all on that journey and I think um just seeing a small step of my son (laughs) saying oh actually I I did read that verse you sent on the family whatsapp group yes (laughs) yes one verse of truth (laughs) one verse of truth versus all that other stuff that's going in all day one verse of truth fantastic or yeah that that one run with my daughter where we ask each other five questions about our week and then at the end we we pray yes yes i got that half an hour of quality time in and i've earned 300 calories Hello, this is the Faith in Parents podcast. I'm thrilled to be here. My name is Ed. We are trying to walk with you through parenting your children to know Jesus Christ. On this podcast, we want to try to be manageable, inspirational, encouraging, and even a little bit normal if we can. We want to keep it into everyday life. And that is exactly what we're doing in this conversation today. I'm joined by Amy as normal. Amy, how's Liverpool today? Oh, it's sunny and beautiful, Ed. I'm very pleased to be here. I'm very excited to be chatting. Charlie, will you just tell us where you are, how you're doing and uh, what you do there? Uh, uh, Hi, Ed. So my name's Charlie and I live in Tower Hamlets, which is a borough in the east end of London. And I live there with my husband, Fraser, and my four children, my new puppy, my rabbit, my tortoise. (laughs) And sadly, used to be tortoise. Oh, do you? Yes, friends forever, Charlie. Tortoise owners. (laughs) Carry on. (laughs) And uh, and used to be four mice, but now only one mouse, unfortunately. Oh, R.I.P. the mouse. Yes, absolutely. And and Charlie, just tell us a bit about the role you do at the moment for London City Mission. So I started working for London City Mission in September. I lead the Pan London Schools team. And we partner up with churches across London to help them reach the young people in their communities, particularly Mm -hmm. in their primary and secondary schools. Wow, that's quite a new job. It's September. Where are we? Oh, nearly a year. No, no, nearly a year. No, it feels feels very new. It feels very new. Oh, wow. What's your favourite age group to work with, Charlie? I used to be a primary school teacher, so I was Uh always in the early years. So that's age three to five. 
they're definitely my favourites. Charlie, what what's your passion? So you are in this job fresh, but you have had a series of jobs around children. What what is your particular passion? I think if I could boil it down to one thing, is I just want children and youth, all young people, to meet with Jesus. Mm-hmm. So the story in the Bible in Mark chapter ten, where the little children want to meet with Jesus mm-hmm. and get pushed away by the disciples. Jesus gets angry. Uh, it's not often he gets angry in the Bible, but he does get angry about that. Gets angry <laughs> about the little children being pushed away. Oh, but yes. I guess- That's great though, isn't it? He doesn't get angry because the little children are climbing on him and pulling his beard. No. <laughs> he gets angry with the disciples. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why is he angry, Charlie? Why? I, I think I, I think Jesus really wants to meet with young people. Yeah. He didn't, you know, he didn't sort of tell them to go away or say, look, I'll talk to your parents and they can tell you. <laughs> um, you know, he he wanted to meet with them himself. And I think that's been my story. I met with mm-hmm. Jesus when I was very young and have been on an up and down journey ever since then. And I think that is a journey he wants lots of wants children to start with at an early age, if mm. possible. So mm. yeah, that that's what hinges the work I do. And the life I live, I suppose. Charlie, you've chosen to work in particular parts of London. Can you just tell us about the place you live, what you see when you look out your window, what you see when you walk to school and how you feel about it? That's a good question. So I live in Tower Hamlets, which is an inner city borough of London. And it it has. I, I suppose the easiest way for me to do this is to walk you outside my front door and around my block. Would that be yeah, okay? Yeah, great. Yeah, yeah, do it. I'd love so, to. Take us on a tour. <laughs> so I, I live in a housing estate, in a housing block that has uh, mixed uh, housing. So some shared housing, I, like the one I live in, and uh, some council housing, mainly flats. So if I walk out my front door and turn right, I walk past all my neighbours on the street. It's a sort of five-storey building. And I get sort of one minute down the road and there's some accommodation that was built to house students, but now temporarily houses lots of wonderful asylum seeking families. And then next door to them is a halfway house that houses lots of men and women from around the borough who have lots of big problems going on in their lives, often alcohol and drug related, and they live there for the time being. If I turn the corner to the right, there's our local strip club. And then if I turn the corner again to the right, so around the back of my house, we have our local mosque uh, where lots of families from the local area will go to worship. I turn right again and I'm back at my front door. So Tower Hamlets is is a very mixed borough. There's predominantly lots of Bengali Muslim families and people. It's a very young borough. Also houses lots of refugees and has done over the last few years in hotels and student accommodation. There's also your typical white East End families and um, and the hipsters have started moving in as well. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a totally different place to the where I grew up, which was a tiny little village just off the south coast of England. And I'm bringing my children up in a place that's totally foreign to anything I knew at their age. Wow. What's good about that, Charlie? What makes you smile? Oh, there's so much good about it. It's like a, Tower Hamlet is a hodgepodge of, of lots of, of different people all sort of trying to live next to each other. And I think the learning experiences from that are huge. The mm. schools are absolutely brilliant. We have amazing parks 
And, you know, you can get into central London in 20 minutes on the tube. It's wonderful. (laughs) Have you learned some amazing recipes from any of your neighbours? What's been your best food pickup that you've uh, that you've enjoyed? How to cook rice well. Oh, nice. Oh. We have lots of friends who live in our in the student accommodation at the end of the road who come from all over the world and will come and do come and do barbecues with us in our little front garden and they do the most amazing marinades for their chicken. <laughs> oh goodness. Persian food is delicious. Oh, it really so is. If I'm really honest, I don't bother getting recipe ideas. I just invite them out and ask <laughs> them to do it. You just feed me. You yeah. just feed me. That's the way to do it. Um, I could never cook it as well as them. That so. is true. <laughs> a, dear, a dear friend of mine, she's Indian and she cooks the most beautiful rice and she laughed her head off at my rice. Why do you make rice like mashed potato? You Brits, you're always making rice taste like mashed potato. Why is there nothing in it? So anyway, she's taught me how to make slightly nice of rice but still obviously not as rice not as nice as hers charlie do you think it's different how children hear about jesus where you live either in their families or in their schools or in their churches well i think a lot of the children around me haven't heard (laughs) so that's probably one of the biggest things in my heart is actually no one's told them yeah so uh, a lot of the children around where I live have been brought have been brought up as Muslims. So although they have heard about Jesus, Jesus is in the Quran, they don't know the Jesus that I know. And then the other children who aren't being brought up as Muslim are usually being brought up by parents who uh, have no faith, who are atheists. You know, Gen Z, so that's sort of ages seven or eight up to sort of twenty odd. They, you know, they're all being brought up mainly by parents who who don't know god and i mm. think that people would say this is the first post-christian gener- generation wouldn't they mm. so i think they don't even know there is a god and they don't know what is like or what is done or how he's relevant to them mm. Mm. Um, we make so many assumptions i remember talking to kids at a school and saying oh because like, you've all heard of jonah and the whale <laughs> no <laughs> and the kid said to me was that the woman who ate a fish I was like, Joan and the whale. Was that the woman who ate a fish? No. And then you realise, wow, I can't assume that you know anything. Yeah. Actually, I need to introduce God to you for the first time. Yeah, yeah. We need to go right back to the beginning. What is the Bible? Who is God? Mm -hmm. What's he done? Mm -hmm. We need to retell the story from the very beginning, which in some ways, you know, might feel like a harder job but actually in another way it's a great opportunity because you can tell it the way you want to tell it Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know the generation young generation nowadays they don't come with lots of baggage about what they think Christianity is like or about so Mm. we we Mm. have a almost a blank canvas on which to paint pictures. Charlie where do you start you know if uh, when when you find yourself your job takes you into halls full of children who, who, who know nothing of Christ do you, do you have somewhere you, you go first? I think I start with where they are. So it's about making it relevant. And, and it's it's not trying to drum something out. God knows mm. each young person. He knows their situation and their background. So it's just about telling his story in a way that's relevant to him. Jesus did it all the time, didn't he? He told really big biblical truth through stories mm. that people would understand about sheep and farming mm. and relationships. And so... I would often start with a story. So recently we went 
So in December, we went into a hotel in Whitechapel that's housing lots of asylum-seeking families from all over the world, speaking lots of different languages. They have no idea who God is. And to be honest, you know, why should they even be thinking about him in many ways? You know, all the things that they've suffered and the trauma they've gone through. And we ran some craft activities for the children because it's difficult after school when you're all in one hotel room to sort of... Mm know what to do with um with children it's hard enough for me in a house with <laughs> lots yeah. of rooms uh, after school sometimes never mind if I had lots of children in one hotel room so go in and do arts and crafts and then and tell a bible story we chose the the lost stories because the story of the lost sheep couldn't be more relevant for these mm. children and young people in this hotel because they're lost too Mm. You know, they've probably never felt so lost. And so it was a great opportunity to be able to say, look, God knows when you're lost. He really cares when you're lost and he wants to find you. So we had raucous story time sessions where we were really not using any language at all because there wasn't one language that everybody could understand. So we all we just hid the sheep somewhere in the room, put up some posters with the word lost in lots of different languages and everybody looked for the sheep until they found him. And then we had a party <laughs> and, and and the message comes across, you know, at the end, you know, this, this is what God's like with us. And then you go, we went in the next week and did the same story but with a coin. And then the next week, the same story with a son, with a child. And then at the end of those three weeks, little Mohammed was saying to me, I am lost, but God knows. And it's amazing. It's the Lord. So you, you start you start going back to your question. I think you start with where the young people are. And I think, Charlie, there's so much about that that is about being brave enough to try and understand where they're at and not hide and to think, what is their experience and how, how do I connect God's word to that? And how brilliant is Jesus that he's given us those three stories that are so simple and so powerful and so party-inducing. Yeah. It's, it's amazing. And suddenly I've got more of a confidence that that the truth helps and we actually yeah. need to give it. Yeah, yeah. I think it's the gospel's so relevant, isn't it, to every aspect of our lives. And it's just trying to find the the linchpin on which to hang yeah. it and, and, yeah. and the, the angle you, you, you go down. Listen to um, me, Ed, being surprised that the gospel is relevant. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, that, that's a bit of a patronising comment. That, no, 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 it's no, me. It's I'm just, saying no. me. <laughs> I I'm being surprised, constantly surprised. But maybe that's that's okay. Constantly surprised. Charlie, you're um you and I have had some conversations. When you work with the children in your church, you have learned to do it differently, and there's been spectacular results. Now that makes it sound like you've come across a method that works that no one else ever has. But I would I I, I want to mention both those because I'd love you to tell me I'd love us to hear what you're doing, but also for you to tell some stories of the children in your church. Yeah, yeah I think spectacular results is is maybe overplaying it slightly. I think let me let me be the judge of that, Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll explain why I think that actually because I I do actually think we often expect spectacular results, and um and what is spectacular is those small steps that yes. children make on their journey towards Jesus, and yeah. it doesn't actually look spectacular until maybe you look back on it or when or you talk to someone like Ed, who's very encouraging, and then calls it spectacular, but at the <laughs> time it, it it's just one tiny step uh, on someone's journey, I think. So the children's ministry that I um, have been jointly leading for the last 10 years in our local church has been 
for the children and families in the church, but also very much wanting to reach the community outside of the church. So that's the children's own friends at school that we wanted them to invite to church, but also the children living um, on the estates around the church who otherwise, you know, maybe don't have a Christian friend, so wanting to reach them. So we realised quite quickly that inviting them into church didn't work unless we changed the way we did our children's ministry. And it's not difficult. It's just, we I think, three principles, really. We want made it fun. Mm. We made it all about gospel and Jesus. And we made sure we thought about the non-church kids a lot. So those were the three sort of strands that we thought mm. through. So an average morning in our Sunday school would be made up of lots of very short chunks of teaching uh, or games, but everything quite short. So no more than five minute blocks to cater for this generation's very short attention span. Yeah. Very fast, very competitive. Generally don't do crafts. We do no reading or writing because that can be a stumbling block for mm-hmm. some of the children in our community. And it's very visual as well. We, we think a lot about that saying, I hear and I forget. I see and I remember. I do and I understand. We've welcomed lots of children from our local estate who otherwise we didn't even know there was a God or even know that Jesus cared. I think about one boy called Mark who during the week would be out on our estate with his hoodie up, probably Mm. nicking sweets from our local shop, generally causing havoc, graffiti here and there and torturing the neighbour's cat, that kind of thing. But then on a Sunday morning, he's in our church at Sunday school hearing about Jesus but also learning how to talk to him Mm. and how to pray meeting with Christians and wanting to be there (laughs) so we're not twisting his arm he turns up and wants to be there is he allowed to keep his hoodie on yeah absolutely (laughs) yes good (laughs) good tell me Charlie why no craft well it's partly we only have an hour with the children so we want to get as much Bible into them, as much explanation into them, as much fun into the session as we possibly can. And we just find that the craft, there's just not time for it, really. Craft Mm. takes a long time. Craft also really appeals to girls, but not so much to the boys. And we really want to be encouraging boys to come along. um, And that just doesn't appeal to them so much. I think you can get really good Bible teaching out of doing a craft, but I think it's quite long. And we'd rather just hit them with with one message again and again in lots mm. of different ways over the morning. And I think there's some brilliant principles there. So when we're doing kids ministry and when we're working with children, it is about knowing the children that you're working with and yeah. trying to think where are they at and what do they need? I know that that sort of panic in us because we really want them to know the truth. So we tend to put an overemphasis on we'll do lots of other things. Then we need you to sit for 20 minutes and listen to us talk about the Bible. Yeah. How can we say, what is the one big idea of today? And how can we pick that up in a game, in yeah. a chat, in a, yes. in a runaround, in a, in a talk, in a conversation, in, a, in lots of different ways? Uh, yeah, you've hit the nail on the head, Amy. Let me tell you about this Sunday where they were learning or finding out, exploring God's mercy. Um, yeah. And the one object was toilet rolls. So toilet rolls was in everything. So we did toilet roll games. We did toilet, use toilet rolls in the teaching and toilet rolls in the response. And, you know, you might think, goodness, what on earth has a toilet roll got to do with God's mercy? It has a lot to do with God's mercy, actually. So I don't know if you've ever sat on a toilet, 
and run out of toilet roll. It's uh-huh. very infuriating. It's not a good place to be. No, it's not a good place to be. Well, toilet roll is not like God's mercy. God's mercy is exactly the opposite. God's mercy never runs out. It's unending and it's always there. Also, we need toilet roll when we're at our messiest, don't we? Let's be yes. honest, not to get too yes. graphic. We also need God's mercy when we're at our messiest. So we did the games with the toilet roll, trying to get toilet roll off the tube as fast as we can and talked about how it's just, you know, it's not like God's mercy because God's mercy never runs out. Toilet roll does. We played a game where called Gunk the Leader, which the leaders love. So the children could choose whether they showed mercy to the leader or not. So that's illustrating mercy again. And then for the response, we used the toilet rolls and the response, they could come and take some toilet paper if they wanted to talk to God about his mercy or ask God for mercy. There was, there was two strands to the response this week, but it's all linked around the toilet roll. And then they all took a toilet roll home so that they could remember. <laughs> Love that. that. And it's such a part of life so that then every time they see a toilet roll, which is going to be regularly in their day, yes, remembering God's mercy towards them. I love yes. that. My husband definitely remembered that the next day when my puppy got hold of the toilet roll and chewed it up and spat it all over the floor. I've got a great photo of it. And he was like, God's mercy might not run out, but mine certainly did at that point with the puppy. Oh, nice. I love that, Charlie. Thank you. And Charlie, you do small groups differently? We generally don't do a lot of small group work because we find that the boys don't open up particularly well in the small groups. I think traditionally, you know, we might pray together in small groups or, you know, with our eyes shut and everything. But I think we we generally found that's when the boys climb up. I know from my experience, if I sit my sons down and face to face and try to talk to them eyeball to eyeball, they won't talk to me. But if I go out for a run with my 15 year old, mm. he'll open up much more because we're not eyeballing him, um, just doing something together. So we try and make our prayer time something where everybody's doing something as well as talking to God. It's important when we're, we're teaching our children how to pray that we kind of make it quite uh, matter of fact and everyday-ish because we're mm. it's, praying is essentially just talking to God. And I mm. think the difficult thing is, is that we can't see him, mm. isn't it? And that's what mm. makes it hard and not don't always get that response straight back so I I often liken it to like talking on the phone when we're praying so we try and keep it quite short with a specific point and quite active so when I've written content for a charity called Ambassadors Football and they do like a a five-day holiday camp and we want them to take children with no experience of church on a journey of getting to know Jesus the responses would be very much sort of the first the first session would be would, this is what prayer is it's talking to God just watch me and, and just having that opportunity just to watch someone pray is is really valuable and then the next day it might be I'm going to pray and, and I'm, this is how I pray why don't you copy me and do it after me so you're scaffolding them um and I think I've done a similar thing with my children you just watch me then give them the words to pray and then maybe very specific one word that they could think of for themselves to pray and then sort of just building it up really gradually which when you think about it is how we all learn to pray but maybe we learn to pray over a longer period of time because we didn't have we, we just took it for granted and it sort of happened whereas if that's not been your experience how do you let someone in on that and help them catch up you know you, yeah. do, you do all of that in a more obvious and thought through way yeah and I think I've seen I've seen it work you know I see children who 
I didn't expect to ever see praying, you know, talk, talking to God and helping others to talk to God <laughs> too. I've heard mention of scooter prayers and days of the week prayers, Charlie. Oh, yeah. I think you yeah. need to share more genius with us. Yeah, I, I, my memory is absolutely terrible. So I think of all these good ideas, we do them, and then they just totally go out of out of my head. So yes, scooter pet. So we, I try, I take traditional family games and turn them into a prayer. So mm-hmm. I spy prayers are great. So yeah, I was I spy Jesus, and he looks like this, and then you know, it's sort of saying something about Jesus uh-huh. or matching pairs prayers where you have to find the do some teaching on the cross and you find the before and after the cross. So I was an enemy. Now I'm a friend. I was lost and now I'm found. And you have to find the matching prayers. And you, and then you can pray with your friend. Those, those thank God for those two things or pray wow. into those two things. Um, uh, what other things, you know, ABC. So if you can't, don't know what to pray, go through the alphabet and think of words beginning with all those different letters that describe who God is or, you know, truth about who we are in God or, you know, mm. it, it, those sort of things. Um, scooter prayers, just get on your scooter and ride, you know, if you want to pray, you can jump on the scooter, scoot to the end, grab a, a word off the wall, pray it and then scoot back. Or, you know, oh, I think that the other scooter prayers I've done is about teaching about repentance. The so repentance is about you were going one way and now you're going the other. So if you've got mm-hmm. something to repent of, Ride your scooter one way, telling God what it is you want to say sorry for and repent of, and then turn your scooter around and come back thanking God that he's forgiven you. So th- th- those sort of just trying to keep it, it's the doing again, isn't it? It's going back yeah. to that doing. Um, but it's also, it's a physical reminder, isn't it, of the change that you want to see. It's, I'm taking it in. Yes. Yes, Charlie. <laughs> Charlie, could you tell us a story of what it looks like for children to help other children pray? I think when we talk about children using their gifts or to serve others mm-hmm. that can feel alien or difficult it, it, we, we struggle to know what it would look like or how we would help them with it could you just tell us a little of how you've done that or what you've seen a lot of it is about giving children the opportunity to do it so and sort of expecting them to do it so in a response with a group of children I might be two ways they could respond they might be wanting to respond to God personally mm. you know maybe to his asking for forgiveness or thanking him for something so they're they're personally responding but then some children in that group would not be responding so then I would say well you can pray for the children who are responding so then everybody is involved and you know often most children's ministries don't have very big teams mm. <laughs> and lots of adults so it kills two birds with one stone so it's about giving them the opportunity I think a lot of it so and I also think and it's beneficial for everybody isn't it you know they Mm. so I'll give an example the matching pairs game prayers we did once um, in my children's ministry and I'll call the children Mark and Lee and so Mark is a, a child who's been brought up in a Christian family who's been taught how to pray Lee is not and they did the mat we did the matching pairs you know what what's happened to us because of the cross you know and friend enemy to friend and lost to found and different things like that and then each of the leaders took a matching pairs and and then the children could choose which one they wanted to go and stand by to pray pray for we we train up older children to be apprentices so Lee Lee is an apprentice he's 11 mm. so he was standing with one of the matching 
match in pairs. Mark came up to him and they prayed together about the fact that the cross has turned them from being an enemy to a friend of God. So that was just an opportunity. I don't think Mark would necessarily have opened up and wanted to pray with an adult, but he did but want he would to pray, pray with a, with with a sort of big brother figure. With a big brother or someone who's very near his own age. Yeah. In that situation, what did you ask Lee to do? So Lee's on the team. So before the children even came in, the team would have met and talked through what we're meant to be doing. So I, so I would have said, OK, team, everybody's going to take one of the matching pairs once they've been put together and the children are going to choose who they want to go to. And then when they come to you, all you need to do is sit down and talk to them about why they came to you. So say, why did you come here? And then all you need to do is either pray into that or if they're not able to say why they came there, just thank God that because of the cross, you were once an enemy, but now you're a friend. So just use the the two bits of paper that are in front of you with enemy and friend written on. So Lee knew what to expect. So when it happened, he wasn't surprised. No, no, no. He was part of the team. We'd all prayed together as well. So like he'd had prayer to, you know, support. And he knew what to do and he felt confident in what he was supposed to do. And he knew it was valuable so yes. when Mark trots over with his with his pair and says, I've got lost and you've got found, yes, you're right, that's brilliant. Because of God, we were lost and we're now found. We're going to pray together. Yeah. So, of course, Mark goes, great. Yeah. Plus, he doesn't feel like it's a weird thing to do because Lee, who's only a few years older than him, is thinks this is a normal thing to do and off they go. Yeah. I think yeah, the yeah. thing about that we expect you're either an adult or a child and what does the what does the bit in between look like? And how do you get from being one to another? That that whole thing of we give small amounts of responsibility and we we help them we help them bear it and we tell them what they're going to do and what's going to happen and it's a success and they're ready for the next thing. Yeah, I, I mean our, our apprentices are our best leaders because yeah. they they haven't long been out of our kids club. They know what it's like. They know what is fun. They have the best ideas slightly crazy bonkers ones usually very messy (laughs) involving lots of food but they yeah they're our best leaders they can relate to the children in a way that I I can't I'm you know in my mid-40s and I've led a very different life so it's it's you know I can relate to them in some way but not in the same way and so Um, you you need them as much as they need you this is this project Totally, I totally, yeah. It, our team is is richer and so much stronger because of our young leaders and our apprentices. Charlie, the children you're using as your apprentices, who might be only eleven or twelve, is there an issue that they have a sort of natural awkwardness about being leaders or about being with other children, or do they just totally relax into it? They they totally get the activity and they totally get prayer. How, how much do you have to help them with that? I think because we've been doing it now for sort of eight years they've they've seen it in action already so it's very natural um mm. everybody can't wait to be in an apprentice you know you get a, a bib and a <laughs> get to stand at the front and I want to be an apprentice <laughs> you know, like, I want to be <laughs> you know and some of our apprentices you know don't want to do some of those things so they will do the equally valuable job of sorting out the PA and putting mm. on the music when it needs to be on or they might be flipping over the scores, or they might be giving out the prizes or um, setting up the games. So there's no pressure if they don't want to. But 
you know that doesn't very often happen so you often often, sometimes you get some shy children who don't want to do the teaching at the front but it's not often that a child won't want to just sit and talk or pray with another child on a one-to-one or in Mm. in a very small group but it's clear you have there's a there's a job for me to do it's a place for me you want me here absolutely helpful yeah oh yeah no yeah absolutely and I think I think that they're 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 part of our team meetings every term you know we moved our team meeting from an evening to a Sunday afternoon so that they could come along because we realized that we we need them I don't don't know Mm. what the team would look like without them Mm. so Charlie there must be times when you're discouraged when there's I don't know a lack of leaders a lack of progress uh just chaos chaos at home Another yes. another thing to go to, another pressure on your day. What keeps you going? What is it that you say to yourself in those moments that you think, am I just wasting my time? I encourage myself by thinking that God uses broken people. Mm. <laughs> so, he, you know, the fact that I'm feeling weak or feeling like I can't do it is actually my qualification for being used by God. That is what keeps me going. And what makes you punch the air with glee? Where are those moments that, that that you're saying, you know, tell me an encor- your last encouraging story that you thought, wow, Lord. I think it's about it's about seeing those small steps, isn't it? Mm. So we're, we're all on that journey. And I think um, just seeing a small step of my son <laughs> saying, oh, actually, I, I did read that verse you sent on the family WhatsApp group. Yes, <laughs> yes. One verse of truth. <laughs> One verse of truth versus all that other stuff that's going in all day. One verse yeah. of truth, fantastic. Or yeah, that that one run with my daughter where we ask each other five questions about our week. And then at the end we we pray. Yes, yes, I got that half an hour of quality time in and I burned 300 calories. <laughs> <laughs> and and that those days with Mohammed in that the hotel where he knew that that was what it yeah. was like. Oh, gosh. That was the highlight of my year. The fact yeah. that, yeah, Mohammed, he, you know, despite language barriers, despite the trauma he'd been through, despite, you know, all of those things, God, you know, God's still sovereign and in control. And he brought Mohammed to that hotel. And Mohammed heard that, you know, that we're all lost, but that God is looking for us mm. and, and, and loves us. And that, yeah, I mean... I've I've lived on that ever since. <laughs> of course you have. It's spectacular. And don't don't not see those kids running out with toilet roll, looking at it every day, knowing that God is merciful. Absolutely. Wow. My husband did a check as they came out. Why have you got a toilet roll? I think it was Hayab <laughs> who said, because God's mercy never runs out. And off yes. Went. <laughs> yes. 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 Praise the Lord. So Finley is one of our neighbours and he he comes from a family who don't go to church and he's been coming on and off to our Sunday school for the last sort of six years, started off coming to our football club and then coming on Sundays. And uh, to be honest, I, you know, it's just it's just been years and years of him coming along, but not really much happening. Um, we had a question time as part of our Sunday school on on Sunday and it was about God's mercy and he just he his question was so god forgives anything mm. and he he's just come to this realization that well first of all that there was a god that we do things wrong and then and then that god wants to forgive and that he'll forgive anything and it just it really struck me that it's been years and years of him coming mm. to lots of different activities and building relationship and getting to know 
church and children and 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 sort of hearing about God and it was like that's when the penny dropped at that moment and I you know I was able to go to him at the end and say you know to talk through actually why God can forgive anything you know it's actually because Jesus died on the cross that's why he can forgive anything and it doesn't mean that there aren't consequences for the things we've done wrong but but it was it was a great opportunity to be able to point him to the cross and it was it just felt like that after all these years of 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 building relationship walk to school with him sometimes and you know meet him on the way home and walk our dogs together and um you know football camps and all sorts of things and then and that so that's another air punch moment Mm. where I just Mm. went yes yes Mm -hmm. like the Holy Spirit is 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 working and he's and he's talking to this 11 year old boy and you know he's going to be too old to come along soon and God's doing stuff. Charlie tell me about faith in your family life tell me about what talking about Jesus looks like for you like around the Mm. table I mean you've already mentioned on a run on a walk to school (laughs) Yeah, I, I like that passage in Deuteronomy 6 where it talks about, the title is Love the Lord Your God, and it's talking about yeah. how, you know, we need to love God. And then it says, you know, talk about it with your children when you're sitting at home and when you're yeah. walking along the road and when you're lying down. And then it says, you know, write it, strap it on your foreheads and on your wrists and write it over your doorframe. And I think, okay, that that's that's just what I need to do. I just need to do it like really small chunks, little and mm. often every day in, in everyday life and activity. And, and so that's what we try to do. Do you want to know sort of some I do. Examples? I want to know inspirational <laughs> specifics. So we we pray all together at breakfast because that's the one meal where we're all together reliably every morning. So we we might and everybody it. is wearing a shirt and tie, sitting <laughs> very tidily around the table. No, everybody uses a prayer voice. Everybody's really grumpy and um, <laughs> and they just and they're like, when's it going to finish? And I thought prayer was going to finish at eight. Why is it not finished? And well. <laughs> And what we do and stay and no, no, it isn't at all like that. But um, and in actual fact, it was like on the back of. Uh, but that's the, that's what, then what makes it great, isn't it? So my husband and my oldest son had a, a bit of a disagreement at breakfast two days ago, and then we had to pray. And, and we oh, didn't nice. have to, but then but we didn't have to pray. But then it, then we were like, oh, now we need to pray before we get down. But that that then is a great teaching moment, isn't it? Even when we're feeling really angry and cross even when we're out of relationship with people we can still come before God and talk to him <laughs> like even in that or feel like it is actually the time when you really should be coming isn't there's there? been there's a famous moment around our family meal time where we pray before we eat I said right we're there have been major moods and major trouble I can't remember even what about now but it's meal time and we pray before we eat and like I'm not bothering because I'm cross yeah. Uh, my daughter pipes up. We haven't prayed. Yes. It's like, fine, you do it then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so she prays. Dear God, sorry that we're cross. Thank you that there's still food. <laughs> Perfect. Amazing. It's like, then suddenly we're humbled in that moment to realize, wow, yeah, that's it. That's it. it you know us exactly as we are. We're, we're all cross. But yeah. that's still food. You're still good. Yeah and, yeah. and those are the moments where we, you know, we need to the most, aren't they? Even though we don't feel like it. Um, mm-hmm. And there's many a moment when I don't feel like it at breakfast. But and I think that's that's probably one of my top tips is, is if you have a routine, then whether you feel mm-hmm. like it or not, 
then that does really help. The challenge then is to stop the routine becoming really boring. Tell us, Charlie, about the days of the week so it doesn't become boring. When we first started praying at breakfast a few years ago, it did get a bit boring and we didn't really know what to do. So now we have themes for each day. So we have our moving Monday where we pray for people in our community who um, need to move house. Housing's a bit of an issue in East London. So whether it's our asylum-seeking friends or people in the church who just need a bigger place um we pray for housing so moving mondays and we've seen lots of answers to prayer which has been really encouraging and we have truthful tuesdays where we just think about truths about god world wednesday where we think about the bigger picture both things going on in the world thankful thursdays where we thank god and family fridays where we pray for family and friends and then we don't pray at the weekends because, you know, you need a break, don't you? <laughs> I was waiting for silly Saturday when we think yeah, yeah. stupidest thing and, and like serious Sunday when we yeah. uh, thank God for his No, we just don't bother at the weekend. No, we don't eat breakfast <laughs> together so much at the weekends. It just doesn't That's happen. That's true. So the routine helps, but I think it can get a bit more. So sometimes we just don't do that. We might do something else. And and some days it might just be, I, I just pray and no one else does because we're just not in the mood. But, you know, it's... Like, like you say, family life has it, you know, it's ups and downs, doesn't it? What I like about praying first thing in the morning is that we can also pray for each other. So, you know, during exam times, great opportunity to pray for my son doing his GCSEs, my daughter doing her SATs and for the mm-hmm. day ahead. Okay, Charlie, you've you're obviously got a massive heart for introducing people to Jesus and getting them to meet him for the first time. And that is such a wonderful skill a wonderful gift that God has given you some of us find that more frightening just push us tell us why that is the best thing we could be doing because you're stepping into plans that are so much bigger than yours so yes this is the story from the beginning of time isn't it that God wants to have relationship with us um Mm. and so he what I'm doing is not it's just stepping in with what God wants Mm. church to be doing it's, yeah. it's part of a bigger plan. You you say it all so humbly, and I hope that you know that what you're doing is just so brilliant because it is what, what God calls us to do as his people and that you're not being held back. So like that nervousness with which you speak about what you're doing, I just it's amazing that you are introducing Jesus to, to people where often others fear to tread. And it's inspiring to hear. I think there's so much we can take from that of learning about who we're talking to and how can we introduce them to Jesus better. So please keep keep going, Charlie. Keep going. <laughs> Charlie, would you pray for those who are listening that, well, the Lord would help them in the way you are passionate that they do in introducing children to Christ? Yeah. Thanks, Charlie. Uh, I thank you, God, that you know uh, every person who's listening been on this conversation you know them inside out Lord God thank you Father that you want to uh, meet with them that you love them you want to help them I thank you God that we don't have to twist your arm to meet with the young people we know because Mm. you want to meet with them and I just ask you God that you would help all of us to jump in on your plans and the plans you have to meet with the young people that we know the young people in our families Um, in our communities show us who you want us to meet with where you want us to go and what you want us to do Um, thank you for your amazing plans amen 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 jesus isn't scared is he we might be but jesus isn't scared to meet anybody no 
Charlie, thank you so much for giving us your time. Thank you for encouraging us and our listeners. Charlie, keep keep being a blessing to those families around you and keep encouraging others to do the same. Thank you, Charlie. Say goodbye, Charlie. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.